and welcome to Old Fashioned Breakdown. I'm Helen. Hi, I'm Fola. Fola Olakumbi. Good luck spelling that. I didn't say my second name. I know you didn't. <laughs> I, I thought I'd just say mine and see what you did. Okay, uh, well I'm Helen Varley. Hi Helen Varley. Hi. Right, okay, so um, welcome to episode two of the, what are we called again? Old Fashioned Breakdown. The Old Fashioned Breakdown. And uh, yeah, so where we go through every episode of Mad Men and try to break it down and talk about as much as we can. Um, so this is season one, episode two. Yep. And Ladies Room. Oh, I didn't know it had a title. Did you not? Okay. No, I didn't look at this one. I only looked at the first one. Well, you okay? That's good. That's, okay. Then we can talk ladies about that. Ladies room. Can, all right. So, okay. So, ladies room. Uh, do you want me to give like a little breakdown you of go what for happens? It. So this is super short, and then we'll go through little bits of it as we go along. Um, so Betty has developed an anxiety and would like to visit a psychiatrist. Uh, Peggy's learning how to navigate the office culture of her new job of her new job. Okay. And Don has to work out how to sell deodorant. Mm. Fascinating I stuff. I mean, he stinks, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I wonder I, I wonder where this is gonna go. Okay, so this um this episode is called Um Ladies Room as we spoke about. I can't believe you didn't look into the title. No, that title actually surprises me a little. Why does it surprise you? I don't know. I just, I mean, we talked about the the first one, the musical connotations. It seemed to match the episode. Whereas yeah. with this, I guess the only there's only really, I guess there's actually a lot of scenes in women's <laughs> bathrooms, and I did not think about that before we were doing this. So. But I guess, I mean, I don't know. You just wouldn't. So. No, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think of this episode? Like, just a, an overview, like, what was your, what did you come away from it thinking? I mean, I guess there's uh, quite a few different themes running through this episode. The, okay. main, the main one for me is obviously um, the construct of the different genders in society and how they're supposed to act and how I they behave. I thought you might say that. Oh, <laughs> you did? Um, for me, that's sort of the main theme um, that came across very strongly. I mean, a lot of the scenes are basically about. But I think what, what was surprising is it wasn't just, like in the first one, I guess it was very much, it felt a lot more masculine. Whereas with this, they kind of, they, they go into the, you know, a woman's, role in society yeah. but i think they also subtly talk about a man's role in society maybe Ooh. it's not so subtle i don't interesting. know um, interesting um yeah. can i ask you a question about go for it this so like last week um we talked about certain things we talked about uh, what was it women in society and yeah the way that men can't sort of intuit what women want absolutely did you <laughs> Did you watch? Did you watch ahead? No, I haven't. Really? No, I haven't watched ahead. Wow, that's fascinating. I don't know what's going to happen next. That's really, that's really interesting because you picked up a lot from that episode that happens in this episode. I think. Oh really? Yeah, I think there's certain things. Sorry, you just... guys. There's no episode three because I've figured it out already. <laughs> I just think that there's loads of things that you that you kind of talked about that were like, oh, that that actually gets. They talk about it more in this episode. I mean, basically, the whole show is about gender. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just I think, about gender. See, this is the thing. I don't think it is. I don't think it is about gender. I think it's about loads of. I think it's gender does factor into it, but I don't think that's 
the main thing. I think it's one of the main things. Though. I mean, okay, with a title like Ladies Room, yeah. how does it not? In this episode, in this episode, yeah, it probably, yeah. Gender does factor into this episode, but um, I don't think the episode's about gender. But What but... do you think it's about? Okay, so I think this episode was actually about psychiatry. Okay. And not just psychiatry, but actual, you know, psychoanalysis. Like, so what psychoanalysis is, how it works, um, how it affects society. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. All kinds of stuff. Like, there's loads of stuff about psychiatry. You know, while we were talking in the intro about how um, they don't do things on purpose. Yeah. I genuinely think they did this on purpose. <laughs> Unless, if, it, if they didn't, my God, there's some serious co- um, co- coincidences in this show. Uh, it's ridiculous, but we'll talk about it. Okay, all right. Well, shall we? Okay, let's let's go to the opening. So the opening starts with um, um, Roger, Don, um, and Betty, the wives, and the wives. Yeah, so the wives, Betty and Mona. Mona, I see. I didn't catch her name. Mona's amazing. Mona, is she? Mona is, uh, let's just say, a classy older lady. Is she? So, uh, yeah. Apparently, she's actually married to the guy that plays Roger. In real life. No. Yeah. And you can kind of tell. She just looks at him in this like really sort of like we're married kind of way. Oh, that's adorable. Um, or is it? <laughs> I mean, the show gets pretty dark. Um, but anyway, so they're in this thing and they're talking about eggs. Talk- yeah. Yeah. That was kind of weird. It is really weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like how there's like, and then Roger starts talking about how his like, um, nannies brought him up and like all that kind of stuff about how he was looked after and how much he loved his nannies and all that what did you think of that so i mean i don't have a whole lot to say about the eggs thing right it just feels like it's the kind of thing i don't know it's what it's in a classic example of something that i feel like you could read too much into (laughs) you've probably got some like incredible theory about what that conversation actually is i don't know what you're talking about okay that's good um so, I mean, the nannies thing is interesting because I think let's, for, if we hadn't seen episode one and we didn't know that Don was this, like this mystery man mm-hmm. and it's like, I think his big thing is, is I mean, as Betty says, Don doesn't like to talk about himself yep. and I know better than to ask. And I think that to me sums up the whole episode, really. Okay. We, don't, we didn't even watch the West. Yeah, it was just, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the conversation about nannies and childhood and you know, that is so far removed from the men that they're trying to be. Right, so it okay. almost, it's surprising that Roger's sort of as open about it as he is. Yeah. Um, although he does refer to his nanny's large bosom. Yeah, he does. Um, but I, so, I mean, it's still done in a very masculine way, but I feel like there's something very intimate about how you grew up and who brought you up. And, yeah. you know, so that conversation is really interesting and, and, with, with with regards to Betty, obviously, that's when you start to get the sense that she doesn't actually know her husband at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, psychoanalysis. Um... <laughs> Here we go. Strapping, guys. <laughs> um, I don't really, so I can't, I don't know everything about psychoanalysis. I haven't read up on it that much. But I do know that psychoanalysis, obviously, the, um, the stereotype is the uh, doctor asking you, you know, what were your parents like? What was it like when you were growing up? And as Roger's talking in this this start of this episode, as we see the eggs being cracked and sort of like split in, like there's two eggs all of a sudden. Yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, like, um, I don't, you know, with, um, not amoebas, what are they called? As they kind of turn into babies. Oh, embryos. Embryos, yeah. So like, you know, it's like nods towards embryos. 
And then we have this whole oh. thing of him talking about. Um, then we have um, Roger talking about his um, nanny with the massive bosoms or whatever, and it just gives you this kind of sense of like he was very much coddled as a kid, and he's really kind of um, looked after. And he, then he talks about his other um, nanny, second nanny, who was this. Um, he used to call her his sweet Belvedere. And mm. I looked up what a Belvedere is, and a Belvedere is like this big sort of like towering thing that kind of overlooks mm. like a thing. So, kind of building up Roger as this kind of, and also Roger in this opening segment is like basically telling every, like he's basically ordering people around. At one point, I think he refers to himself as a captain, and it's like it's really sort of setting him up as this big sort of um, leader of industry. He's like this big sort of you know privileged guy. Mm. And uh, I feel like that's what they're nodding towards in that. And, like, his whole thing of, like... And also, there's also another thing. He kind of mentions... Um, oh, he mentions this thing. It's really weird. He, he mentions this... Uh, oh, God, where is it? The Lindenberg baby. Do you know the Lindenberg Oh, yeah, baby? I know the Lindenberg baby. So I don't know anything about the Lindenberg you baby. You don't? I didn't, I oh n- didn't know anything about it until I saw it in this thing. And I was like, I looked it up and read about it. What the hell is like all this stuff happened with this baby that got kidnapped and like all this like fuss around this baby and like his rich parents and yeah. these people that could kind of like, you know, um, just basically buy the legal system to try and hunt down this kid. Mm. I mean, that's how I understand it. How do you understand it? I mean, I guess... <sighs> What, with the Lindenberg baby? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was the parents, wasn't it? I mean, come on. Really? Let's go. Oh, it must have been. Like, oh, come on. Really? Like, he's a rich, powerful American hero. Isn't he the first guy to, like, fly to Paris or something? Yeah. Okay, okay. Like, he's this, like, great, amazing guy. Right. They go back. They have a baby. Something's going on. I mean, I don't know the internet of it. I don't know the Lindberghs. I'm not going to make up a bunch of stuff but right, allegedly. I mean like it just feels <laughs> all very... of this is allegedly yeah it's definitely allegedly right. like, I don't know what I'm talking about but I I mean and I can't recall all the exact details of the case but wasn't he was taken from his room wasn't he if I'm I don't not know, mistaken yeah, something like that. and you know it's just and there was like a there was like a ransom note if right. I'm not yeah, mistaken yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's just all very like come it's, on it's so to me, so I don't really know all that stuff about it. All I know is that as I read about this baby, all I could think of was the amount of money and the amount of privilege and the amount of all the stuff that surrounded this baby. Yeah. And it just kind of, again, puts um, Roger in this um, this idea that he's this rich person who's like very, very looked after from a very young age. And interestingly, well, you say very, very looked after, but interestingly, this conversation that they're having isn't about parents. He doesn't ask him about his parents. He asks him if he has a nanny. That's a good point. It's all about money. It's all about like, did you grow up privileged or did you not grow up privileged? And that's why I think Don doesn't want to answer the question. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to admit, I don't know because I can't remember what happens if it ever comes out. But I imagine that he wasn't a privileged child. And that is seen as something shameful in a world where money is king. That's possibly true. I don't know. Um, So, yeah. So, that's really interesting. And then... um, So, all this stuff about psychos and just, like, very... This whole idea of babies and how they're looked after. It's very... I think that's really important to the episode. Okay. So, um, so moving on to the next... What I'd say quite an important uh, scene is... um, So, the two of... The two wives go into the... They go to the ladies' room. Yeah, girls can never go to the bathroom by themselves. Um, so, yeah, the ladies' room comes up. Um, and, yeah, Betty is... Uh, Betty's shaking. 
Yeah, she's got a bit of an issue with her hands there, hasn't she? Bless yeah. her. She can't put a lippy on. No, she can't. No. Um, it's just interesting some of the things that Mona says um, while they're in this scene. Um, Mona says to... Mona says to... As she's applying the lipstick to um, Betty, she says... Um, don't, don't smile, smile, it will make it harder. Did you, <laughs> I wrote it down too. Yeah. Um, and all that, and there's all this stuff. So, okay, so I guess I should explain what I think of the the the, the what I think the title is about. So the title, um, "Ladies' Room." Um, I feel like the ladies' room is where in what what's referring to in this episode is where. Um, where women go well let's put it this way I don't know what's in a ladies room I've never seen inside one before it's fascinating for I can imagine it, I, I have no idea what's in there to me it's just like the greatest place alive yeah. it's just like <laughs> just people enjoying themselves it's kind of where women go and they just get fanned down with like you know these uh, topless men like <laughs> it's just like yeah it's like heaven for women right uh, but I don't know that it might not be like that it might just be a normal toilet who knows no it's <laughs> right okay um but what what's um what the point is a ladies room is a very very intimate quiet place it's like it's almost like a it's almost like a protective place where you can go to where you know no other man's going to be there or nobody who's who can hurt you is going to be there right? do you know what it is what? and we'll get to it later because it happens but so I, so when I, I was at work not this week i haven't cried at work this week but the week before this one where do I go for a cry? You go to the you go to the girls' loos, right? And you you always go in. You go in a cubicle and you have a cry. And what's weird, and as I say, we come back to Alea, but is other women will come in. They will hear you crying, oh, no. and then they will also they will just come in, do their business, wash their hands, and leave. And it's such like a weird. Wow. It is. It's Does this actually like, happen? Yeah, this it is actually an happens. Actual thing that are no you one, sure? No this... one wants to deal with a crying person at work, oh, like, is, in the loos. Oh, is, is this just like where we work? without saying where it is <laughs> no it's not i think it's i think it's a safe space you're right in that the ladies room is an intimate space it's a safe space and you can but, be vulnerable right yeah and you can be vulnerable and i think that's why coming back to the scene which is why betty starts talking about her mother because suddenly she's in this environment where she believes that she has the safety and intimacy to be able to talk about those things but as uh, roger said in the in the previous scene um I know more about your wife than I do about my own in that, right. you know, oh, yeah, it's very it, yeah. like, Betty wants to talk about things and she wants to get things out there, but yeah. nobody wants to listen to that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And it's really weird because in this scene, um, Betty tells Mona that her mother died. And what's really interesting is Mona doesn't say anything. Yeah. And... But then you do hear in the background someone say, I'm sorry. Oh, you do? <laughs> did you no know? Way. Did you know? Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice so that. So basically, like, Betty, Betty says to Mona, like, looks her in the sense, like, yeah, my parents died, my mum died, and blah, blah, blah. And she talks about her. And then Mona just looks at her, like, dead in the eyes, doesn't say a word. And then one of the um, toilet oh. attendants goes, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave. Uh, because somebody else wants to use the mirror. Yeah, but I just, I didn't equate that as being at that point. I was just like, they were saying they were sorry because they need to get... And also, how is there only one mirror, like, come on, <laughs> yeah. in a ladies' room? <laughs> but she's not... But the mirror, I think, is interesting as well because they don't, they're not actually looking in the mirror. Right. They're looking at each other. Right. And it's sort of like, 
you know, she's uh, Mona's putting the lipstick on Betty, yeah. and they're not looking in the mirror. So uh-huh. it's kind of almost like that's that's a whole thing where she's trying to make that human contact. They're not, you know, w- when women put their makeup on the mirror, they talk to each other yeah, through yeah, the yeah. reflection, and it's almost like they're they're actually looking at each other. So maybe there's something in that. Mm, I didn't notice that. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, but going back to that whole thing, so. In this room, Betty is basically being massively vulnerable, right? She's just, this is like her, I don't know, I don't know how to, it's where she's applying lipstick to kind of make herself look beautiful, uh, but at the same time, she's quite, she's trying to be very vulnerable, a lot more vulnerable than she would be if she was outside uh, talking to Don or whatever. Yeah. And um, just so we can, we, we might come back to it later, as they leave, um, the attendant says something. The attendant. Oh, about the pocket purse is getting yeah. any smaller. Yeah, and I just think that's an interesting thing that we might come back to later. Okay. Because um, I feel I feel like the purses kind of signify something. Definitely. But, but we'll uh, yeah we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, and then we get the drive home. I don't really know what to say about this to be honest with you. They. Well, I think it's setting up that Betty wants to get to know Don like she talk I think this this whole episode is kind of about Betty wanting a connection with another human being and yeah. not getting one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um but there's also there's also the fact that she's literally sick and she also mentions divorce as well. She says something about the the food the two different foods that she ate. Oh yeah. They don't get the on. Giblets or something. Yeah. Why would you eat that girl? And they, I don't even know what they are. Uh, and they don't get on and uh, they should get a divorce. And then she's actually physically sick um, and mentally sick as well, it would seem. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and that's really kind of fascinating. Um, and then they go home and they go to go to bed and we get that whole scene of um, Betty getting, trying to get Don to um, open up, but he won't do it. And then she's like, why won't you speak to me? Let me in. Yeah, well, she when he's sleeping, she says, she leans over and she says to him, who is in there? Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't... Uh, and that's... But, I mean, that in itself is, like, heartbreakingly devastating. Yeah, I mean, yeah, can I you imagine being married to someone and you didn't know who they were? You know what the sad thing is? I think a lot of people can. <laughs> um, Not me. <laughs> I know everything about my boyfriend. Um, but yeah, so but what's really what I really like about this scene, I don't really know what's going on. Like, like I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We don't want to have a, a like a four hour podcast like we did last. All time. right, um, agreed. But um, what I really like about this scene and the way it ends is it sort of frosts over, and we get the frosting of the you know, you know, on the window uh, the, the the doors in the office. Yeah. Uh, some of them have glass on them, but it's like frosted glass yeah, so you yeah. can't see through it. And that's kind of what we transpose from from um, Betty saying who's in there to the office and we see that glass and it's ah. kind of like, you know, because you can't see into Don's head sort of thing. Um, and then, then we get the next episode, we get the next scene. And this scene, this is fascinating, right? So this is the first thing where I'm like, this is so fucking cool, right? So the first, um, the first sentence that, that Joan says in this next scene is next step is accessories yes right and so let's just assume that the first that up until this point the whole thing has really been about um it's all about Don and what he was like as a child and a baby and it's all about you know um Roger talking about his childhood and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and it's all about you know 
the inner child, the inner person, you're sort of like your your most vulnerable place. Yeah. And I theorize that this this whole thing about accessories is how we cover up those things, those weaknesses. Mm. So we need things to accessorize to make ourselves seem stronger than we are. Okay. It's <laughs> yeah. a big jump for me. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I guess I'd need more um, more uh, evidence. Yeah, I mean, I, I... So, at the beginning of this episode, yeah. Peggy isn't wearing a scarf, and at the end she is. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not notice that. So, well, there you go. As she goes... Well, there's that scene towards the end where she goes and she adjusts her scarf in the mirror. Oh. And Joan's role, to me... Is she's teaching Peggy how to be a woman, yeah. but not just how to not how to be the kind of woman that society wants to be, yeah. but how to use her role as a woman to exploit the men that in turn exploit her. Interesting. And I think what she's sort of getting at is she's been last in the last episode she was picking at her clothes mm-hmm. and her legs, mm-hmm. and in this episode yeah. she's going for her accessories, which I think is it's almost like for me it's a kind of it's the fluff on okay. top, it's the it's the mystique, it's the you know but in a little scarf on to make herself feel like she's a cool city would, girl would you say it's the um yeah it's it, yeah you said it's the fluff it's the it's the, fluff. It's, the it's the ex it's the creative sort of yeah okay cool that's that's good that's good flow uh-huh. um so I, I so i think that okay so i think that this whole i think that it's funny that you mentioned their the clothes that they're wearing because looking at Joan and Peggy, it's probably more, um, it makes more sense to talk about it later, but they th- I looked at Joan and Peggy and what they were wearing, obviously I'm not, I don't know, normally notice these things, but to me they looked like, well Joan looked like a pink lady. Oh, Joan is just bloody gorgeous, isn't she? But she literally looked like a pink lady, like from uh, Greece. And uh, Peggy looked like, she, she was dressed like um, Sandra D. Yeah. I mean, she's so so Peggy. I mean, interesting. If you're gonna make that comparison, mm. Joan definitely has more of a '60s style, whereas Peggy has more of a '50s style. She wears the flared skirts. Right. Okay. So I guess there's some sort of, you know, tra- she Joan is trying to pull Peggy into the, into the 1960s, okay. um, New York, uh, and you know, but I mean, Joan is is kind of bang on point with her with her fashion there. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, they so we see Peggy and Joan go into the bathroom, and we see they go into the ladies' room. Yeah. And we see a lady crying. In and there, there. there she is. That, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> There's a lady <laughs> crying into the mirror. Uh, and yeah, I just find it. Oh, and also one thing that I want to note as well that happens here is um, Peggy. Peggy's really excited that she made thirty five dollars. Um, and then we see this um, this scene of the the hang, guys. Hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just wanted to point out. Okay, that sorry. The woman is crying in the bathroom, yeah. and what happens? Joan, uh, like Peggy, stops and oh, asks yeah, her yeah. if she's okay, yeah, she and does. Joan is like, "Just don't." And to me, yeah. that's very much the same thing as like, you know, that whole scene that we had with the boys and the girls earlier. It's very much a you know, Mona and Betty are in the bathroom. Yeah. Betty wants to talk about something and oh, Mona yeah, doesn't. Yeah. And it's, it mirrors, it mirrors, <laughs> it, does. Uh, well, it, it does. mirrors that scene almost exactly where it's that whole thing of like the someone who's having an emotional reaction but nobody and to nobody wants to deal with it. Wow. So I think there is, you know, it's really interesting. That's really interesting, yeah. 
That is really, really interesting. I did not notice that. It's good. It's good job that we're doing this podcast. I know, right? We're learning so much. Yeah. Um, so then we need, we move on to the the guys now, and mm-hmm. um, there's loads of stuff I can say about this. I kind of, I, there is. It's just this. This seems like amazing because you've got. Um, it's it's basically it's the same thing. So this scene is about accessories as well. It's about you know deodorant, and it's about how they you see the guys the way they're acting and there's like you know let's talk about it if we let's say i'm right no we don't have to i don't you don't have to believe me but let's just say i'm right for argument's sake and this this whole the whole setup for this was about the inner child and it was about this vulnerability and how we cover it up Uh right so we've seen how the women can go into the bathroom and cry and they can kind of like put the lipstick on and cover stuff up like that but the guys what they're doing is they're putting deodorant on and they're fighting and they're acting like dickheads. Yeah. And they're sort of like this whole machismo kind of like, I've got nothing to worry about. I'm a dude. I'm so cool. Do you know what I mean? And it's all kind of like boisterous. And yeah. that's how men sort of cover up their um, insecurities. What do you think? Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. I didn't get that from that scene. Okay. I get the whole thing. I get the sort of... The, there's a family element there's a brotherly element there yeah of you know first of all that's not how you behave in the workplace no which you can true. tell by the way when the when the boss comes in they're all like oh, and yeah. they all like stand up straight and try and like sort out their shirts and stuff yeah. but i think i think it's almost like a, you notice don don doesn't join in with that he's yeah. sort of yeah, yeah, sat yeah, on yeah. the side watching it yeah, all take totally. place and yeah. sort of smirking about it but yeah. it's i think it's very much and i think it, you continue to see it through the episode yeah it's it's i wouldn't say i'd say it's more um it's more like who's the alpha male it's more a competitive yeah like who is the boss who is the best well, and I, I don't think that is an emotional thing what the women go through no not at all but i do think that's i think that's the point is like that's how they cover up their insecurities is by competing and just by sort of like fighting each other and not really admitting to the fact that they feel a bit kind of awkward or how, you know, hiding from whatever it is that's bothering them. They don't really, like, whereas the women will go into the, the bathroom and sort of like, you know, face it almost like look in the mirror and sort of like, okay, this is how I feel. I feel sad, burst into tears or whatever. The guys will be like, I don't feel anything. I'm just going to punch the other guy in the face and I'll make them feel better, you know? No. No, <laughs> you don't agree? Okay. <laughs> No, I just, I don't, I feel like you, you know, I think the men do, I feel like it's not, it isn't, a, they're not hiding anything. If anything, they're trying to broadcast their manliness. Okay. And again, that's something that's echoed throughout the episode. But don't you think by broadcasting your manliness is kind of hiding the fact that you don't always feel like that? I mean, I guess so, but I don't believe that these guys who, at this point, obviously I'm only on episode two, mm. I don't know a whole lot about them. At this point, I don't see how... They, I mean, even the the postcard, which we we haven't really talked about, but like even the postcard, the wettest place yeah. in Canada or whatever it's had. So like, you don't think that... Let's talk about the postcard. You don't think that that postcard is covering up something, considering that, you know, P has literally just slept with some random woman. And now he's on his honeymoon and he's saying the way it's placed and he's like being quite boisterous and sort of like, you know, doing, you know, being a macho guy. You don't think that's covering up something that he's trying to hide? 
at this point, I mean, he is, of course he's hiding something. They're all hiding things. Right. But I don't know if it's on the same level as Betty's mum being dead. At some point in this podcast, you will say I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I just like arguing. That's why like, you asked me to be honest. No, I, I mean, I guess I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> and I, but I'm looking at this. You don't have to say I'm right. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. I'm looking at this from like my perspective. And I see, and I'm not necessarily saying that I empathize with the women. Yeah. In, you know, if Betty <clears> needs someone to reach out to, she should have got to know her husband before she married him. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like they are, I think. Competing for being top dog yeah. as a man mm. is not the same as crying in the bathroom okay. as a woman. All right, fair enough. That's that's I can I can dig that. It's cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorted. Um, <laughs> but there are things in this. So there's other things in this scene that I find really interesting. So um, let me just try and find it. See if I can find it. So this whole thing with the odorant. Um, oh. So I feel like they're disguising things in some way, but then also there's this bit where you know the big boss comes in, Cooper. He looks like the Colonel from KFC. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, right. So th- there's one. Th- there's one thing that they do when they're hazing that guy. Um, I think his name's Ken, and they hold hold him down, and they say, uh, "Let's pretend it's prom night, and you can be the girl." Uh, right? I miss that uh, and then there's also this bit with, with Cooper where he's like I always thought it was Sterling responsible for the Navy attitude in this place and um, and it's like to me it's like he, so he's saying that I always thought it was Sterling was the responsible for the attitude in this place and like that's like he's like blaming he's saying that he thought it was um, Roger's mm-hmm. fault that everyone acts the way they act um and he basically doesn't know where the where the problems come from. And at the same time, in a response to that, um, what's his name? Uh, Rod, uh, Don comes back and says, um, they just figured out how to sell brassiers to men. Which, <laughs> which to me just reminds me of women, right? And it's this, it goes back to this whole thing of um, Roger at the beginning talking about how he was so looked after and he was so muddy coddled and he's like and he's this kind of and now he's obviously he's the leader of industries he's like he's a very confident mm. guy and I feel like it's kind of reminding us like the men get given that when they're young yeah they get and they get given all this kind of um, what's the word I don't want to say privilege what is it it's like they get given this sense of um, I don't know protection yeah protection they feel protected yeah yeah and it it allows them to go out there and just be dicks to each other basically I feel like that's kind of like reminding us of that Um, but yeah and it's just and then and then also it moves on to the it moves on to like um, Cooper talking about this whole thing with Nixon yeah yeah and and Don says a really interesting thing I don't know if I wrote it down is it it, um, I wrote it down too I don't vote no, it's not that. So, interestingly, so okay. I want to just bring this up, that okay. when he was in bed with Betty, he said, if it's not religion, politics, or sex, it's not worth talking about. Oh, but yeah, isn't it interesting yeah, yeah. that he he likes talking about politics, but he doesn't vote? And I think that's a proper, like, that's all of, that is what Don is all about. Okay. He's all fucking talk, <laughs> and he's no action. And that's the thing with him, is he's such a... And I, I, I really looked onto that. I was like, how can you say that you... you it, 
you know, politics is one of the few things worth talking about yeah. and then be like, well, I don't vote. I don't make it. I don't have to make a decision. No, he said it's not worth talking about, didn't he? That's it. That's it. Jesus bets it's like politics, religion or sex. Why talk about it? Oh. <laughs> so he's talking. So he's talking about. Yeah, that's it. That's actually that's a really good point. So that. Oh, I'll scrap what I said then. But you still like. It's good that you pulled it out because I totally forgot. So, so they're trying to talk about Don's childhood. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Don says that it's about. Quite, and the idea being that we don't talk about those things because they make us feel uncomfortable. And. Um, so maybe he does vote, and he just doesn't want to talk about it. Well, no, I don't think he does vote. I think the point is he he feels uncomfortable about his... Uh, but, yeah, he doesn't talk about those things. He doesn't talk about any of those things. But all of those things will have an effect on your life. And he's basically, he's basically put, he's basically put like, his childhood in the same bracket as those things. And it's, that, you know, again, yeah. psychoanalysis. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming around. I'm, I'm about to turn the band. I haven't quite got there yet. So he doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, but then also in the same scene, there's this bit with um, with Cooper and he's talking, he's trying, he's trying to get him to talk about Nixon. He's trying to get him to back Nixon in the whatever. Uh, and then, so the, the thing that I wanted to, to talk about was um, Don talks about this thing, the Checkers broadcast. Do you know what the Checkers broadcast is? No, so, no, I don't really know what the Checkers broadcast is. So I'll, I don't fully understand myself, but... The long and short of it is Nixon did something bad, and in order to um, to get away with it, he went on on he went in front of the cameras and speaking to the nation, and talked about like his dog and how he oh, missed yeah. his dog. I only know stuff. about that because it's on The Simpsons. Oh really? Yeah, there's a bit, <laughs> he's got a dog called Checkers on The Simpsons. I think there's a joke for everything in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, Probably. So yeah, so yeah, and and Don calls it like he basically calls it. An admission wrapped in a distraction. Ooh. <laughs> so going back to that whole thing of uh, psychoanalysis. All right, all right, round the corner, walking down the block. So that, so to me, that's kind of like you know an admission wrapped in it. It's like the truth wrapped in something sparkly that. Kind of. But that is politics, isn't it, really? That's everything, The, the whole yeah. thing, the whole conversation is about how they're saying that he doesn't know that he needs them, but he yeah. needs them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, yeah, it's that kind of thing. I'm not 100% sure, like, I couldn't fully tell you <laughs> what's going on in that scene fully, but I like the fact that um, Cooper's not wearing any socks. He's, like, not wearing any shoes. He's a strong, like, he's literally the most powerful person in that room, and yet there he is. He doesn't need to wear shoes. He doesn't need to protect his feet. And everybody else does. Hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that bit. Um, so I feel like I'm I'm almost getting that validation that I desperately, desperately crave. How are we getting on for that one hour time limit? Uh, we are... Yeah, not doing well, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we've only just started. Uh, do you know what I've done? So what I've done... we. We've got all the um, all the scenes kind of like written out here, and I've kind of put dashes on the ones that I feel we should that are really important to talk about. Right. So we'll just talk about those ones. We won't talk about them all. Okay. Um, okay. So we've done that. So like lunch. 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 Is the next thing. Yeah. Lunch. 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 And four Peggy's sad sandwich. Yeah. So four Peggy's sad sandwich. So 
I think this is again this so this this was like another thing that like clued me into this whole idea of um accessories mm-hmm. and this idea that um have you noticed in this episode that um everything seems to be almost it's almost like Peggy and Joan are in a department store and they're shopping okay so so the first thing we see is like obviously this the whole scene starts with the next step accessories uh and then we see joan get um joan's talking about buying a coat so like she's trying yeah, to yeah. trick the guys into getting them to go to lunch and then when they're at lunch um peg like joan talks about like yeah so people are asking Peggy like what she thinks of all the guys mm. and Joan says oh she's looking but she doesn't see anything she likes yet yeah yeah um and I feel like oh and there's another thing as well later on when um when they go back to the when they go back to the office you see a fit you see a shot like it transitions to a shot of um Peggy's handbag oh yeah and as you see the shot of Peggy's handbag um you know Paul Kinsey the guy yeah, that yeah. shows her around he walks into view it's almost like putting the two of them together. Mm. So what I think the episode is trying to tell us is that um, the men in this episode are accessories to the girls <gasps> and that Peggy is looking for an accessory to cover up her insecurities. No! <laughs> I read that so differently. Oh my God. Right, okay, here we go. Here's my version of those, those scenes, right? Go. Is... First of all, <clears throat> Peggy brings in her lunch. Yeah. It makes Joan sad. No, okay. So Peggy becomes Joan's accessory. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? That's fair enough. So That's then fair. they go, because Joan knows what she's doing. Yeah. And Joan, I think, is teaching Peggy a lesson here. She's yeah. teaching how to exploit the men yeah. Yeah. to get what she wants yeah. um, and to achieve as much as she can do in her role as a woman in that workplace. yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, so if anything, they act as though they're accessories to the men. Yeah. So the men think, so it's all about, like I say, it's this great power struggle of like, the men think that they're in control, they're treating the women to lunch. Yeah. But they didn't need them to buy them lunch. Yeah, totally. It's, it's all a ruse. So the women get what they want. The men get to behave like dickheads. Yeah. Um, and show off their masculinity. They get to use their femininity to to get a free lunch yeah, which yeah, yeah. sorry but goal um <laughs> you know and i think i think what is a big part of this scene and i think a lot about with the, th- the whole thing with paul because paul comes across like so nicely as well like, he, just he comes across as such a nice guy he does to be um good. and i think it's it's all about the act of like with it's it's about ownership it's about with who's going to claim Peggy? Because at that point, no one knows that she's already been claimed apart from her. Even Joan doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's that whole thing of like, um, they're going and it's almost like, who can convince her? Like, Kenny has a go, Paul has a go. Like, there's that scene later on where it's just music and they're all walking past just looking at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's some sort of dog in a window kind of thing and who's going to take her home. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that it's, scene can be read two ways as well, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's maybe, <laughs> but I mean, for me, I, I did. I mean, I just definitely didn't get that. I got it. I got it as a, you know, this is how you play your cards as a woman to get by I to save your thirty five dollars and get men to spend their money on you. I think that idea that 
that's how you play the game is definitely in there. But I think that's addressed later on in one of the scenes. So, actually, screw it, let's just talk about it. So, um, the bit where Joan is basically bossing um, Peggy around yeah. and telling her, you know, you should just enjoy it because, you know, you're not that much to look at, really. Are you? <laughs> oh right, let me do this properly. Yeah, go. Because that is my word of my quotes of the week. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Which is, they're having a little cat fight. There it is. So the quote is, and I quote, you're the new girl and you're not much, so you might as well enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is so like, but the thing is, that's, I guess, the parallel maybe that you're going to make is that's the girl version of what the guys were doing. No, that's not what I was going to say. What, oh, I was gonna, okay. what I was going to say is, that is, that's actually just Joan's ideology of how to deal with the office. And Joan can do that because Joan is Joan and she looks like Joan. I know, uh, she's fucking <laughs> she, um, And that, um, and what she says to Peggy in that scene is like, Peggy will never get to the position that Joan did. She'll never have, because she just doesn't look like Joan, right? She mm. just, she can't. And like Joan is really, again, back to this whole um, uh, psychoanalysis thing. She, she is head to tail just like just this amazing sort of version of all these accessories all this kind of like you know um armor to like cover up this inside that that she this this kind of vulnerable inside that she has and that's how she's managed to get she literally battled her way through it but you don't know so this is the issue that we have where we're different because i've not seen any of that vulnerability yet at this point but the point is, everybody has vulnerabilities, right? Yeah, but you're just making an assumption there because I feel like, yes, you can say everyone has vulnerabilities, yeah. but you can also say everyone has everything in that sense. Like, you can't, you know... Okay, that, okay yeah, fair enough. That's a massive leap. That's, that's me yeah. saying that these characters... You know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I know, I know what's going to happen, but also that I am sort of... Yeah, there's no way... I guess there's no honest way that you could definitely say that's where the show's going. I can... Yeah, I admit that, but um, but I guess what I'm I I guess I'm, I'm looking at it from the way the writers are going and what they what they're trying to what they're trying to get across in a very subtle way. So they're not basically saying this is definitely what you should catch up on, but this is who the characters are, and all these characters are flawed in certain ways, and that's the whole point of it. And if you if you assume that that's the whole point of the episode then it's not a massive leap to say that Joan is this kind of... Like like all the characters in the episode who's like... Everybody is like covering up some vulnerability. Um, she just chooses to cover up her vulnerability with like looking amazing and like projecting this uh, image of strength and kind of like real sort of like cool, sassy sort of... She even, even when she's talking to him, she's like yeah, having the argument with her. She's like being really sassy, kind of like yeah, yeah. swinging her sassy head. So she's like being like really sort of badass with it. But I feel like that's all very deliberate to get you to realise that that's who she is and that's how she deals with the world. Because then after that, then you get that whole scene where the music's going and you see everyone staring at Peggy. And my reading of that um, scene is a bit different to yours is that so the song that's playing is called um, Dream On mm. and it's all about how uh, the singer's saying you know um, I can't remember she's saying I want to get close to you or something it's about 
something about getting close to someone and as we watch it we think that the the singer of the song is all these guys looking at Peggy and they're all trying to get close to her and they're all sort of like thinking about her but then obviously she looks in a drawer and she sees the photograph or uh, the, the postcard that the um that Pete sent mm. and to me it's like it's actually her thinking about Pete yeah does that does yeah that, okay so that, that you got that as well uh, yeah I got that okay cool but she's also a piece of meat in a market she is I guess the both things can be true but, yeah, yeah. but what 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 kind of what puts me off the fact that it's about the guys is Sal's walking first as well yes and obviously he's not thinking that. But we don't know that yet. <laughs> Again, you're making a leap. Like, well, 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 We discussed well. that it was obvious, but... <laughs> but he's playing... They're, well, basically, they're all playing a game. Yeah, all of, okay. Every single person in this drama that is Mad Men is yeah. playing a game yeah. to project themselves as this sort of alpha, either male or female. Yeah. Now, with Joan, she's just an old hat in it. She's worked out how to play the game. Yeah. She's modern. She knows... She's got to command these women as well. She's the alpha. She's yeah. the alpha woman in the in this drama. Right. Um, I mean, I look forward to when Joan and Bessie meet. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that much, if right. they ever meet. Okay. Um, but yeah, Joan is clearly the alpha. And I think what's going on in that exchange is more that um, she doesn't like having... The same way if someone challenged... Like when Pete tried to befriend Don or mm. challenges Don, Don reacts badly to it. That's true. I think it's exactly the same. Okay. And and it's almost hinting that although... Like a bit like what you were saying in that there are, there are similarities between males and females and mm. in the sense that this is the alpha female being challenged by not the alpha. Yeah. Uh, and... She just she's not gonna sit and take that. So you're she's like yeah. So it's a similar thing of what. So like when we were talking about the fight that um, well not fight but stern words that um, Don and Pete had, we kind of touched on the fact that Don was angry, right? And we yeah. said that um, we kind of agreed that um, it was Don being vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, it's Don's like insecurities kind of coming out and sort of like protecting his vulnerability and I think that's exactly what's happening here with Peg with Be- with Joan where her maybe her insecurities are coming out because she's literally being challenged where like you know Peggy's shouting at her and like wants to leave and all this kind of stuff and yeah so her so Joan's um uh, defenses are coming out and like so she's kind of being angry and she's like you can see her in like all, all her glory she's like this gorgeous woman and she's been really snippy with um with with Bates. so I, I feel with peggy so i feel like we're saying the same thing it's just kind of from, in a different way in a yeah different way. no I, I i accept that i mean um, i think peggy's an interesting really interesting character i think yeah, she's, yeah she's really cool and i think it's i find it bizarre yeah so, and I think it's to do with the way that she dresses, being 1950s, because what she says, I can't remember where she says she's from, but she says, I'm from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We know how to treat people there. Or we, oh, yeah, she know. does, yeah. And I think it's almost like she still has that sort of Disney value of like, this is the guy know. that she gave her heart to. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe. And that's why she's kept, she's taking the postcard. Well, okay, so the postcard's an interesting thing as well. So remember the last episode, we were talking about how when... Uh, Peggy's on in the in the doctor's thing. Yeah, she stares at that, that oh, calendar. Oh yeah, 
She looks at that beautiful picture of the sort of the water so it, and the lake. I think this is a similar thing. Yeah. So Wait. is it not even about feet at all? I don't think it's about feet. Well, I think it's. I think it is about feet in a way. That's so clever. But it's more about how she's using feet to get to what she wants to get to. That's so clever. So like the whole. So it happens in the first one where she has the the pill and she's taking the pill to get to where she wants to get to. And in this one, she's using Pete to get to what she wants. That's what I think. I don't know. Or she's just wishing she's anywhere but there. Yeah. At that point, because at that point, she's being stared at by loads of men. Exactly. Past, so maybe she's just, maybe her way of coping is just to stare at pictures of places where she isn't. So it could be anything. She can know. imagine where she is. Um, but yeah, there's uh, something right. to think about. Um, oh, one more thing about the um, about the, the the lunch that they have. Um, it's really interesting at the end um, when, as they're leaving, you know, I'm saying that it's like Peggy's shopping for like some sort of accessory. Yeah. Um, as they leave, um, um, Ken makes a passer and Pe- Joan says something of the, something like, you won't be, it doesn't look like any money's going to change hands today. Yeah. And then um, Peggy goes, I've got to get back to work or shopping yeah and then she walks out the door so it's kind yeah. of again that kind of idea that this is her shopping for like uh, some sort of thing some yeah. sort of accessory uh, but let's move on let's like so we're gonna jump bump loads of stuff so there's like Betty and she kind of you know when she crushes, crushes the car and you yeah, just skip over that scene. Well, hey, hey, man, if you've got stuff to talk about, let's talk oh about it. Oh, my God, Betty, <laughs> darling, I Betty. Be, I think it's going to be longer than an hour. Of course it's going to be longer than an hour. I mean, I think you're crazy. Um, let, so let's, first of all, let's talk about the, the scene very briefly um, where she's with her mate. Yep. And, um, Francine. <laughs> Francine. Good. I'm glad you looked up all the names. <laughs> Uh, with Francine and they're talking about the woman who's moving in round the corner who's divorced. The harlot. <gasps> Scandal. So that divorce has come up again. That's the second time it's come up. And then, just because it's hilarious, and then her child, well, Betty's child, walks in with a plastic bag over yeah, her head yeah, yeah. and she's more bothered about the dress yes. than she is about the child, which yeah. is just very funny. But then, obviously, that whole, that whole trip home, I think what you... That, to me, yeah. is... It, Betty is anxious because she is out of control in every aspect of her life. She has yeah. n- zero control over everything. Yeah. And I think that's why her hands are so symbolic. Yeah. Because she literally can't hold on she to the steering wheel. She, well, I, it's like yeah. a country music song. Yeah, totally, like, totally, yeah. She is so Jesus out of control. The, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She, can, she isn't in control of her own life. Yeah. And that whole scene is like... The kids, I mean, she's letting the kids like one of the kids like climbs over into the front seat yeah. and blah, blah blah, and then she she kind of is in the car crash. She takes second, and then the kids are hiding in the back. Yeah, and it's like I think for her, she's just like she's so out of control. Like her her kids aren't in control. Everyone thinks that she's in control. Yeah, that she's in control of the house. Everything's chaotic. But she's not. Yeah. Everything is totally chaotic in her world, which is why I think it's so important that. We know why she's anxious. And I think from my point of view at the moment, I kind of see it being because she's totally out of control of her own life. Yeah, totally. I think she is anxious because she doesn't, like you say she doesn't, she can't hold on to anything. I feel like, so this is a bit of my own understanding of how people work, right? And I feel like we all have um, connections in like, like emotional bonds to people, right? And 
it's really important to have an emotional bond to someone who's your equal or someone who you can look up to, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like Betty is in this thing where she's given everything to Don. But Don's like, you know, completely like a stranger to her. And when she says, I think she says in the in the bathroom earlier on in the in the show, she says, I can't hold on to anything. And what she's talking about, she can't hold on to Don. She can't hold on to emotionally hold on to anything. And that's kind of what those the hands kind of signify. So Could be. I, I know. I'm, I'm basically saying what you what you said. Yeah, just, I agree, but I wouldn't say it specifically about Don. I think the fact. I think it's about her kids. I think it's about, you know, like, like the woman that she sees as she's walking by is, tr- is struggling with a huge box or yeah, some furniture true. or something, yeah. and it's like I think what she sees and i think you're right in the sense that she sees that and she's like that could be me yeah. um but i also think it's a bigger thing that and that's the role that the children play um is that she's she's living this kind of um you know uh, cardboard cutout life yeah. where she's fallen into the trap of doing exactly what she's got the female american dream i mean Fran- francine she says in that first can you imagine getting to our age and having to worry about money yeah and it's like i think there's nothing more than betty would love than to worry about money because then she has something that she can solve or she can fix you think she'd want to get divorced i don't i I don't think it's that she wants to get divorced i think it's that she wants some control of her own life and i think that comes through very much in the next in the scene where she and don have the conversation about what happened and she sort of she can't bring herself to say i want to see the psychiatrist it's very much a what do you think i should do and don is like get the girl to do the washing up don't do this do go and see another doctor like he's she he reels off all these instructions for her and then you know, effectively leaves her to it sort yeah, of thing. True. And it's kind of like she she almost needs his consent. But I think what she'd love to be able to do is just to be able to control. To be able to do her own thing. To be able to say, I'm going to go see a psychiatrist, but she can't because right. that's not her place. Yeah. So I think her struggle is like Penny Peggy's struggle in the workplace is that they are not free to follow their own journey because of the role that society has kind of put upon them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't say anything. Women. I can't say anything about that. Um, I, th- I feel like, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Um, just about a thing about Sally and that thing over her head, because I don't think this show does things by accident or just for laughs. And I feel like Sally having that um, bag over her head is like, it's it's almost like a metaphor for how she's smothered into being a woman uh, into being that role of like whatever a man tells her to do well and they're playing like a space game or something they are yeah and i was looking at it i was like i couldn't figure out what she was supposed to be Neither could I. I think i think she's supposed to be the spaceman but that doesn't make any sense um, yeah or maybe she's like some sort of alien or something but i did I, I do think that it does seem like the the boy is kind of in control in some way I mean, Did you get be. that? Well, that's, that's what she's. She is the girl, isn't she? I mean, that's what Don Don calls her. Get the girl to do it. Like, that's that's what. So that's what I'm saying. Like, and I feel like that. Yeah. So it it is like a. It's like it's basically she's been smothered. She's been smothered by society. Mm. If you want to get cheesy about it. Um, I mean, we could continue talking on that vein just to get the Betty and go on. Because I mean, obviously, he sort of says he says to her later on in a different scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I'm jumping ahead right now, but um, 
he he says to her, I thought people only see psychiatrists if they're unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Are you unhappy? And she says, no, I'm not unhappy. Yeah. Um, and then, to sort of fix it, yeah. and I love this, he, go- he gave her a watch. Yeah. A white gold watch, yeah. which I think is quite interesting, with a tiny face that you have to, what did you say? You have to like peer you into have, it to you see. You have it. to be young to be you able to be, look at it. Well, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. such a strange thing to give to someone to make them happy. Why do you think the white gold thing is significant? Well, I know it's not true. Is it? It's not true gold, is it? White gold. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just kind of feel like it's 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 not. It's not a real... Uh, I want to look it up. Let's look up. All right. Let's look it up. Because I feel like there's definitely... Because he, he purposely says... It's white gold, yeah. White he does. gold. Well, when, while you're saying that, like, I think... Yeah, there's loads to say about what he says to what he says to Betty in that scene. He says he basically says... Yes, yeah, so he, he basically points out all the things that Betty has, right? No, he, he points out all the things that he has. That's what he does. He says, I look at this family, I look at these kids, I look at this house, I look at this this woman, I look at this face, and I think, how could anyone not be happy? Mm. Literally talking about himself. And he's not talking about her at all. He's not even considering her in this thing. Mm. It's all about him. And he's like projecting that he's happy, so she must be happy. What's oh, another thing that I want to point out, this I don't this kind of happens all the way through the episode. And it's I don't know if it's a hundred percent I don't know if it's me projecting it again. But every time you see Don, he lights up a cigarette and it's almost like the show is saying that the cigarette or maybe not the cigarette, maybe the vices, the idea of vices and like things, these addictions that he has, those are the things that keep him happy or at least keep him, um, you know, subdued. So he's kind of, so he doesn't get upset. He's always, he's always got something to kind of like, stop him from going off the rails like Peggy's going off the rails mm. um, and Peggy doesn't have that so and then, and then that's kind of highlighted later on when Peggy's in the um, when she's in the psychiatrist thing and she's talking and she's like all jittery and, oh, bit, sorry Peggy she's all jittery and she's all sort of like you know ch- chatting about how all the different things that are worrying her and stuff and then she says and she she takes off the she takes the watch off her yeah, arm, yeah. but then she says to the doctor, "Can I have a cigarette?" Mm. She smokes a cigarette, and after she's been worrying about all this stuff, she takes a drag on the cigarette and she says, "I've got I've written it down." She says, um, "We're all so lucky to be here," and she says it in this like really monotone voice, almost like she's um, like she's like a zombie or sort of. Do you know what I mean? Like she's been like someone's put a, a spell on her. Yeah. Did you get that? Mm. And but she's still like that's still from so, and it's kind of in the next scene when they're when her and uh, Don are at the um, and uh, having the dinner. Don specifically looks at her hands as she sort of squeezes the lemon into the thing. Oh uh, yeah, I did think that was kind of weird actually. So, like, I, didn't, I didn't do that. And uh, and her hands are kind of her hands are fine, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think it's but I think it's you know it's a temporary fix to her problem. Um, but yeah, so it's just I just think it's really interesting that um, that yeah Don's kind of talking about himself and and also in that scene he also says he also he also does all that thing when he says that'll be thirty five dollars please so you know the thirty five dollars that um, oh, <laughs> yeah. um 
so where did we get off to? We got to lunch, didn't we? Um, kind of got a little muddled. We did. We've so gone we all over talked, the place. We haven't talked about. We haven't talked about. Um, we haven't talked about one of the my favourite scenes, which is the scene where they've got the astronaut poster. All right. Okay. That's the that's the one I was going to go into next year. Yeah, I kind of love this scene. Go on. Why do you love it so much? Just I feel like. It's exactly how I imagined that world being. <laughs> right, okay. Where it's like, you've got this group of guys. Yeah. Young group of guys, new in their career. They've been given this challenge. They've got to sell this product. And what do they do? And this is, you know, a comment on the world. It's like, almost, right, what is the most insanely out there, impressive thing that we can do? An astronaut. Yeah, yeah. And then Don says, astronauts, they pee in their pants. Well, here's the thing. So, well, yeah, he does. And what's really interesting about that is this comes, this scene comes after uh, Don and Betty have had their chat and, and Betty's asked for a psychiatrist, right? Mm-hmm. And then Don comes to this scene, pissed off. Right? He's really like, fucking, who gives a fuck about fucking astronauts? He mm. pissing in his pants and fuck this guy. And he really is, he's really kind of railing against Actually, let me, you, you talk and then I'll, I'll say what I think about this. Well, I just think it's kind of, for me, it was very much like a, he, I think it's like the, almost like the new, because I mean, it's not long before sort of the moon landing and stuff, mm. um, where this is all taking place. And I think at that time, an astronaut was like an unbelievable yeah. career. And yeah, it's yeah. this whole thing of... It's the future. Yeah, well, they, these group, this group of men wanted to reach out to men and, and see, and say this is a way of impressing men it's a way of like you yeah. know astronauts wear it blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. and then don talks about cowboy yeah and he says oh the cowboy is yeah. reliable he always brings the cow home yeah, and yeah. that's don don is the cowboy yeah, yeah, totally. and it's kind of like you can see how you can almost see how his brain works because i also think i didn't so much make the connection about him being pissed off with betty yeah but i almost think he was almost pissed off because of this idea that an astronaut is better than him yeah, yeah, don't totally. it's very well, much I, like I, I he's competing with I, an idea. I wouldn't say it was an astronaut. I would say he's pissed off that the future is coming and he's threatened by the future. Yeah. The future is the psychiatrist. I think that's and true. He's terrified of psychiatrists. I agree with you, Fred. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I, I agree with that point. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Don's talking about... Um, yeah, so he's basically talking about um, Betty and 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 what she wants. He he says in the scene like, what what do women want? What what, what does he say? Yeah, and women, you think women and women are gonna buy this stuff? Do you know what I mean? And he mm. says like, and he, he's blatantly talking about um, about psychiatry. Um, what's really funny is that guy. He goes at one point, um, the guy, the random guy who's like, he's one of the, he, one of the men in the in the office. He He's only in a f- couple of episodes and he's like, he's the creepy guy earlier on who's sort of like trying to get in Peggy's mm. pants. And he says something, like Don says, I want, you know, we, what do women want? And he says, we should, uh, we should get like a busty alien in the picture as well together. <laughs> like they literally don't know uh, what women want at all. It's fascinating. But, um, they, but they also, I mean, I think there's a thing here where Again, it's old world versus new world in that in Don's world, women do the shopping. Yeah, yeah. I think even 
in some senses to the other men as well. Yeah. But they are marketing this to men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then totally. There's totally. that whole connection of like, well, are they really? Should they be marketing to men because men don't shop? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's like that's what's so clever about it because because Don, I think he sort of realizes yeah, he knows this. It's there, yeah. He knows that. I mean, he's right, but it's not the thing. That, the thing that's on his mind is like fucking this guy wants basically he's really what so Don is really worried about basically Don has control over Peggy right mm. Peggy. Don has control over Betty and he's mm. kind of like he he basically uses her as a accessory to look after the kids and all that kind of stuff and, and she's kind of in her place and the fact that she's asking for a psychiatrist is basically it comes up later but it's basically her shopping around in the same way that Betty's shopping around and it's kind of like he can feel her slipping out of his grasp, basically. I, do you know what? I can actually see it a lot more now you said that because you can almost see that thought process. Because the question is, it's not what men want; it's what do women want? Yeah. And you can see he's almost become the role of the psychiatrist, and that he's trying to figure that out. Yeah. And then, of course, where does he go to try and figure that out? He goes to see our good friend Mitch. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Um, one more thing about that that, that scene. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, it's totally gone now. Oh yeah, he threatens Paul. So Paul says, like, I don't even care what women think. And then Dunn says, Well, maybe I should stop paying you. Again, that's this whole thing of. Caring what other people think is a psychiatrist's job, bro. Mm. So I just wanted to point out. Um, so do you want to talk about Midge or do you want to talk about the next scene, which is um, Kinsey and Peggy um, going through the office? My favourite scene in the whole episode. No way. Yeah. It was? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. then I think you should talk about it. <laughs> right, okay. Okay, so you know what I was saying? This, so this is... Basically, this is where this show is basically saying this episode is blatantly about psychiatry. It took me ages to work this out. Because the whole point of the scene is really weird. So, like, they come out of this thing. So, they've just been in this meeting. The, the guys have just been in this meeting. And Don said, what do women want? And um, so, Paul walks out and he's all miserable because his idea didn't get picked. And um, he offers... And he says to, he says to, um, to Peggy, will you buy me lunch? And then Peggy goes, and they go. They go to that guy. They go to the the black man who's selling them selling sandwiches, and the black man's wearing this kind of like long overall, almost mm. like a doctor. And they have this weird exchange about how you know, you know, Kinsey's essentially wearing the same thing, but he's you know from a white person's perspective. So yeah, that kind of like gives you the idea that you know, Kinsey's wearing this long overall, and also. Um, they pay this guy um, $60 or 60, 60 cents which mm. is like it's supposed to be like 35 cents for like things again so the whole 35 number comes up so ah. it's like you know, psychiatry again um, and then they go off on this then they go off on this like walk and like the it's weird it's weird as fuck did you not think this is weird? you didn't think this is weird that like there's a, the whole office is like completely bare and there's nobody in the office yeah, but it's lunchtime. It is lunchtime. And yeah, and it kind of, it works, right? But then, so they go through and then, <laughs> and then, um, let me see, let me see. I kind of wrote this down. I kind of, oh, I've forgotten it now. Um, they walk through this whole office and Kinsey is talking about all the different departments, right? Yeah. So you've got the media department, which is like, makes up, like, 
what did you say, 90% of all the business they do. And that's basically it. That's, yeah. that's the ticking heart of the, of the, of the, the building or the company. And then he goes on to talk about the, uh, what's the other thing? I need to get this right because it's, uh, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, so then he goes on to talk about the accounting. Uh, oh, he also talks about creative, which is window dressing, which I think you said something similar to mm. eight earlier. Yeah, yeah. So but he talks about accounting, um, which kind of like makes all the sort of moral, or makes all the choices and makes them sort of like says whether they can do stuff and whether they can't do stuff. And if the big man upstairs comes out of his room, um, it's everyone's going down. So, yeah. yeah. So, and then he talks about the account managers. And the account managers are always looking in the mirror, and they don't really do anything. They they're not really good for anything. And then he goes up to a pitch, and he goes up to Pete's door, and he says, "Consider if you will." Blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. So this scene. Why is this scene so amazing to me? So the reason I love this scene so much is because it's all about um, uh, psychoanalytic theory. Right. And it's all about the, the, it's all about the theory of the id, the Sufi ego and the ego. Jeez. (laughs) Okay, hit me. So, um, so yeah, so basically the media department, the big part, the, the most important part of everything, where everything is done, what that, what they're trying to sell. That's the id. That's like the main. That's the main drive. It's the thing in in, in a person's personality that that they want. It's, it's what they want. It's like you know everything that they are the barest sort of thing. So the food that you eat, the kind of um, your sex drive, your kind of the way you get hungry, the way you sort of feel cold. Those are all like affected by the id. Mm-hmm. I don't know this fully. This is like I kind of read about on this like before, but I don't know it that well. Um, the superego is like it basically makes your moral choices so which one is that the superego was the next part on so it was the accounting right it was the bit where he says if the big man comes out of the so he says the big man which is basically god right okay yeah uh, if he if he kind of comes out then we should all get worried and this is that basically the superego deals with your feelings of guilt and it it deals with your feelings of pride and all that kind of stuff so if you okay. do something right you feel proud if you do something weird if you feel guilty mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and yeah so and the final part is the ego that's like and that is what is the ego i can't remember now so that kind of manages that that that, that makes up that that manages how to get what the it wants so if you so you think about it, the ego is the part of your personality that kind of strategizes how to get what the so if you just had an id, if you were cold, you would do whatever it took to get warm. You would sort of like kill a baby and sort of wrap it around you or whatever. You wouldn't think about You just say kill a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. You wouldn't you wouldn't think you wouldn't think about the moral implications. You wouldn't okay. try and strategize it. You'd just do whatever it was to get to that thing but because you've got a super ego which gives you like moral choices and makes you sort of feel bad about stuff you won't do that and the way to get around that is to use your ego which will tell you how to get the thing you want without sort of upsetting people right and that's basically what the ego is so essentially what that's saying is that pete is um pete is peggy's best choice to continue on to get what she wants 
I mean, first of all, keep your head away from me if you're murdering babies to keep yourself warm. Second of all, I mean, so just to clarify, what is Pete's actual job? Pete is an Pete's an account manager. So he so he is literally. He's literally the thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. Oh, okay. So that's so it is like Peggy then going okay, and then they go back to creative. Yep. And then that's all. That's interesting. <laughs> that really is interesting. interesting. That's a really interesting theory. I, I would never have put that together. Neither would I. Like, literally, I was, I was just trying to work out. Because I kind of know a bit about that, but I don't know that much about it. So I kind of was, like, running out of my head. And it literally, when it, when it, it only kind of, worked, I only worked out last night. I was like, shit, that's fucking incredible. Uh, because what's, all, but what's also interesting about that scene, is that the scene where... He also says to her that she could be a copywriter. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, yeah, so he said, you can always tell what a woman's writing copy, but she just might be the best the best, best man of the job, yeah, yeah. Which I was like, because I, 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 I don't know, I was sort of feeling like, and like I say, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I do know that he obviously tries to... Yeah, cop on. Yeah, cop, cop off with her in the office. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that, but it's also... I don't know if he was like he could see her ambition or he could see something in her. I don't know. Yeah, he could do. Because I don't know. I mean, I, I really, like, I actually quite like Paul. Like, even yeah. though I'm sure he'll turn into an asshole, but he's been quite nice to her. Yeah, yeah. And he did buy her a thirty-five cent sandwich. He did. She did. Um, it wasn't. It was thirty cents. It wasn't thirty-five cents. They so the. The meal that they bought was 60 cents. It doesn't really fit perfectly, but it kind of fits. Because earlier on, um, Paul did suggest that lunch was 35 cents for each person. So I don't know why there was a difference in price. But he also, she goes to pay. Did you notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes to pay and he's like, no, I'll pay. Yeah, totally. So I think he still has that. I think he's just possibly less, like... I don't know. He's still a dick. He's just not the biggest dick. But I don't... I mean, I, so far, I don't see him... When he's kind of on his own, he doesn't come across as much of a dick. But what's interesting is then, obviously, what happens next. And it's like... he's He he again asks if anyone sort of owns Peggy. And, yeah. And that's sort of really interesting. Is that... It's almost like they're all dogs and whoever pees on her first... Yeah, totally. It's weird, gets isn't it? to have her. Um, just one last thing about the... Um, my favourite scene. When um, Kinsey's talking about uh, Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. And um, Peggy kind of rejects him. It's literally a blow to his ego. Oh, of course <laughs> it is. I mean, to be fair, though, yeah. like, sci-fi back then was pretty bad. <laughs> um, what should we do next? Uh, God, I've totally lost my, my notes now. Oh, this is the part. This is uh, this is probably my favorite scene in the one of my favorite scenes in the episode. Go on, then. Where's where Roger walks into the office and Don is sat in his chair in that typical, oh, yeah. almost like from the title sequence. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got a fag in one hand. Yeah. And he's got a glass of whiskey on the table. Yeah. And Roger says something like, "I still can't get over the fact that I come in and it looks like you're doing absolutely nothing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like it is kind of that thing. And then he sits down and Don says to him. 
um, let me ask you something. What do women want? Yeah. That psychiatrist thing. He comes into the office, he sits down, mm-hmm. and it's almost like Don's still playing the role of that psychiatrist. Totally on board with your theme yeah. now, yeah. Um, <laughs> And what I love Roger's answer, which is, who cares? Yeah. Who cares what women want? After all that stuff that he was talking about with his his carers when he was young and how much he cares about them and stuff and he doesn't really give a shit he doesn't give a shit but he doesn't need to give a shit like he's got his ducks in his row his wife you know like he said he doesn't even know who his wife is but for him that's not a problem no and Don almost like doesn't know who his wife is either but for him it is a problem because his wife wants to know who he is yeah and that's the difference between the two parallels there yeah um Hang on, so so they talk. So, yeah, and he says something weird. Like he says, "Boy," do, he says at one point he's talking about um, he's talking about Pete in um, and how he took his wife to Niagara Falls, and he says, "Boy redefines the lack of imagination." And I just think that's interesting. How just talking about how just suggesting that men don't really have any imagination. Because yeah, he took it to Niagara Falls. But I mean, just that... men in general don't have um, yeah. any kind of uh, imagination. Um, yeah, it's really weird that he doesn't care what we want. Um, what else should we talk about? Should we talk about? Um, oh, should we talk about Midge and Don oh, in the hallway? Midge, Midge and her wig and the TV and like, oh god, there's so much in the scene. First of all, wig. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Midge, I I still love Midge as a character. Yeah. That she's clearly a kind of woman who puts an awful lot of hats on. She's almost the polar opposite of, of Joan and Betty. Well, is she though? Because I feel like the wigs work in the same way as accessories in that that's her way of covering up her, her inner self. That's her kind of protection. Maybe. Or it could also be the fact that she's just wanting to be lots and lots of different people but yeah that's so that's the thing right that's that's a way you would that's the way you'd sort of well it depends how you phrase that because you could say covering up or you could say exploring okay okay so i think there's a thing there i think i think whereas betty and joan are definitely more cover-uppers potentially yeah I think Midge is an explorer. Okay. I think Midge is the kind of person who she's... I mean, you can tell from her actions, she's like... So in that scene, so what she says is quite interesting. She sort of... He starts talking about Betty and she says, don't talk to me about her. It makes me feel cruel. Yeah. And that's what's, what's really interesting is that she carries that, but he doesn't carry it at all. What do you mean? She like, he, she carries it. She has that guilt. Okay. I... I thought it was. I saw it more as like he he's looking for someone to. He's looking for a psychiatrist of his own, and she won't. She's not going to play that role for him. Yeah, exactly. But the reason she won't play it is because she has. She feels too. A soul, unlike God. Because she feels the she she feels that she don't get me wrong. She's also like dismissive of it in that she she just doesn't want to talk about it. Cause she doesn't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. But she doesn't talk to him about how it makes her feel cruel. Yeah, she okay. just lives with that. And and she doesn't like being reminded of... She lives in this almost fantasy world where she can put on a wig and she can be someone different. Yeah, yeah, so totally. I guess that is covering up to a point, isn't yeah. it? Because it's like she's covering up her guilt with, you know, this other persona where Betty doesn't exist. Yeah, she yeah. knows she exists, but it's a construct that she's made for herself. But then she also adopts this role of, you know, in the last episode we saw her being this, like... You know, do it for yourself, kind of city girl woman. Mm. Nobody is her boss, kind mm-hmm. of thing. 
And in this episode, she asks him to go and let her in her own apartment. She does. She does. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to blow your mind again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Too many times in one day. So, so, um, so this this scene reminded me of the final scene, or well, one of the final scenes in the previous episode. Okay. With um, Pete and uh, Peggy. Peggy. So Pete and Peggy, they meet up in a very similar hallway. And Pete goes to her and he's like, I just had to see you. And he kisses her. And then she lets him into the thing. Yeah. And in this one, um, she walks up to him. She sees him. They kiss. And then Don lets her into her own apartment. It's basically saying that Peggy and Pete, uh, Peggy and Pete, Peggy and Don are the same. And as if to put a button on that, in the next scene when you know, as just before Peggy has a big argument with Joan, mm. the thing we the, we see a shot of Peggy as she sat down at her desk from behind. Yeah, which is exactly the same shot that we saw of Don for the first time in the first episode. Okay. <laughs> and then you literally just try pulling that part and like, there's got to be something wrong there. It can't work. <laughs> you don't get I it. Just, you, don't, you don't. I don't. I mean, I, I know, to be honest, I get what you, the strings are there. Like, yeah. you're pulling at the strings that yeah. are like, they're both in the same, they're almost in polar opposite where she's trying to climb and he's trying to stop people climbing. Well, no, I think what this scene is saying is that basically Don uses um, Don uses Midge to kind of give him some sense of self. He's, he holds on to, you know, like like um, Betty was saying she's got nothing to hold on to. I think Don is holding on to Midge as this strong person that he kind of, like, even in that scene, Midge has been really kind of like, she's really cool, she's kind of, she's got her shit together, she's telling him what to do, she's the boss. I feel like Don's holding on to her and, he, and she's kind of keeping him grounded in some way. But I don't know if he feels that way because he says to her, I don't know if you have everything or you have nothing. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like, he, I, I don't think it's and she a... says every she says nothing is everything. Yeah, but I think it's, I think he, I think he's trying to figure her out. I think it's Mike, he's trying to understand. He's almost like in the same position with her that he is with Betty, but. I don't think he's just, no, because he doesn't, I don't think he feels about, he doesn't, I don't think he respects Betty the same way he respects. Yeah, totally. That's what I mean. So that's what I mean when I say. Because he he can't control her. He can't control Midge. But he can to a point because she throws a television out the window, but. That's another thing. I don't know we're going to go into that. But, um. I mean, it's like a whole thing. Like, I think that, that relationship is very... It's an interesting struggle. Well, that, that TV... Well, let's go off, off, into a side for a bit. That TV is really... It's another feeling of Don losing control, right? It's, it's, he doesn't know where the TV came from and he doesn't like the fact that she's got it because it's, it's a sign that she's slipping away. And he needs to hold on to her because he needs that control. Or maybe he just doesn't like TV. Or maybe he doesn't like we TV. We haven't seen him watch any TV We yet. don't. Well. <laughs> and there is actually a lot of TV in the episode, because obviously the kids are watching when he comes home. People are funny on the TV. People are funny, yeah. 
And I, I wrote down, people are funny. Is that funny, ha-ha, or funny, peculiar? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's good. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, back to... So, so yeah, so Don... So what I'm saying is that Don... The, 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 the show is saying that Don is holding on to... It. I mean, you don't have to agree, but like what I'm saying is that Don is holding on to uh, Midge in the same way that Peggy is holding on to this idea of Pete and that's what's keeping her strong and that's what's stopping her from like when she goes into that bathroom in the final scene or in the final scene that we see her in when she goes in that bathroom and she doesn't she looks in the mirror she's about to cry she goes no I'm not going to cry and then walks out again because she's mm. not going to be like all those other girls anyway that's why I thought about that that's a thinking for me for I'll, have okay. to, I'll have to keep figuring that one out alright cool uh, have we done everything? um I think we've done everything. I think we've done most. Of, so the only thing we haven't. Oh, done, the only thing we haven't talked about is the final, final, the final, scene. final scene. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we didn't really talk about the the scene before that where they're in the. Um, oh well, 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 one we didn't talk about the scene, the final scene with um, Don and Midge, where basically Midge comes up with the idea, and Midge, well, Don comes up with the idea that women want to get close, and then Midge, and Midge says. Oh, that's the ego they pay to see. Mm. <laughs> and then um, and then there's another scene where um, Betty and Don are at lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm. And then we see, we, I think we've talked about this, where Betty's hand isn't shaking. And Don talks about um, these people in the phone book that changed their names. Yeah. And they don't really exist. Pat McGroin. Yeah, it's kind of... And it's kind of like a nice scene where he's like actually talking about himself, but at the same time it kind of nods to stuff that might happen later on in the episode in the show. Uh, and then the final scene is, um, yeah. Do final want, scene is an asshole. Still. <laughs> oh my god! Seriously, I mean that is bad. It isn't is. it? Like calling up someone's psychiatrist and being like, "What's wrong with my wife?" Yeah. And the, I mean that's why I think the theme is. I guess, you know, I can definitely see from what we've talked about your idea of psychiatry being such a central theme that I totally didn't get that. Yeah. And I really think that's a key part of it. But it's also a lot about control. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it is about control. That's more, yeah. that's more surface. It's definitely about um, control. But, you know, I don't think it's surface as well. I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like very, I mean, that bit is definitely surface. I mean, you get that he's calling her up to find out, him, so, yeah. he's calling up a psychiatrist to find out what his wife said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is, and that, and that's the thing is Betty. He, and that's the thing between Midge and Betty is that he can control Betty, but he yeah. can't control Midge. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good point, he can yeah. try and control yeah, Midge yeah. by getting making her get rid of a TV, but he's still like yeah. not there. I mean, she still like tells him he stinks, and she's still, you know, she's yeah. still like not under his spell. Yeah, kind of thing. totally. Whereas Betty is basically trapped. Yeah, totally. So, well. So if we go on this, so I totally agree that this is about control, but I think it speaks to a wider thing about that actual period and how um, society was being controlled through psychotherapy. So you know about... (gasps) Conspiracy! Well, it's not really... Well, it actually happened. It's like documented um, that they used, you know, this stuff, like the whole show is basically about how advertising was used to kind of sell this idea of the perfect family and that's how they got people to be docile 
and do what you know what the government wanted basically mm. that's basically what's happening at the end of this episode is don is you know essentially the american government and betty is the american people and he's finding out what they think and using it against them to control them yeah and uh and maybe it is also a comment on um the role of psychiatry and stuff as well because the, you think the resolution is him he has this i mean he's thinking about it from an advertising point of view when he says what do we want to get closer and yeah. it's like that's a great slogan and blah blah, blah. Yeah. and he thinks he's found the answer but it's not enough of an answer for him. He needs to know yeah. the details. Yeah, exactly. And that's the that's in simplistic forms. Yeah. That is the answer she wants to be closer to him. Yeah, in simplistic forms. Yeah. But and there's but he knows there's more to it than that. Yeah, totally. So totally. Right. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, and just one more thing. So what's really interesting as well? <laughs> we are literally going to end in a second, but just two things. First of all, I love that his study. Is right in the middle of the kitchen, which yes. is in the ladies' room. So it's kind of like he's lodged within her space, within her head. And also, that song at the end is really good. I don't remember it. The Cardigan song. Oh, when we finish, you can listen to it. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> what a note to end on. But yeah, so that's that's the episode. I think it's about psychiatry, and Helen thinks it's about control, and and gender, and gender, and you know assholes and assholes so uh, yeah that's it uh, so I think that's it I think, we've, I think we're done yeah I hope you enjoyed listening to our episode 2 episode 3 will be coming soon yes and it's just uh, leaves it for me to say that Sopranos is better goodbye for all bye, bye.